The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. £500,000 to a million pounds in the quickest possible time. This is part four in a money series that I'm doing. Part one was getting out of debt to zero. Part two, zero to 100 grand. Part three, 100 grand to 500 grand. And this is part four, 500 grand to a million. Even if you're not at 500 grand yet, you can still listen to this because you can learn for the future. And if you want to listen to the others in the series, I'm hosting them on my money podcast which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. everywhere. Now, I have 11 elements, strategies, things to focus on uh, to go from half a million pounds to a million pounds in the quickest possible time. And by that, I mean yearly income, not necessarily just a one-off. Now, they are dif- different at each, each stage. And I'm not sure I've seen anyone ever talk about different stages. I think people say, you know, how to get rich or how to become a millionaire or whatever, but there are different things you need to do at different st- stages to grow to the next level. You have different challenges. You have different opportunities. You have different things you need to focus on. So what I'll do for your convenience is I will tell you what the 11 things are in bullet form. Then I'll detail them. Then I'll summarize them at the end. So the first thing I'll cover is that you need to leverage a lot more. That will be staff, systems, sales, getting yourself directly out of sales and marketing and into um, other areas. The second thing will be how an MD or an operations manager in your empire is vital. You may even need a second layer of management and probably you need to um, remove some contact to you from other members of staff. Uh, The third one is that HR becomes a really important function. You know, staff benefits, their salaries, their career progression, their grievances, all of those things, which aren't relevant when you're getting out of debt and you have one VA or, uh, you know, at the lower levels, if you like. Um, The fifth thing, uh, the fourth thing I'll cover is you need to go from one to one to one to many, not doing one to one selling anymore. The fifth thing I'll cover is that you're also a recruitment company now. Now, if you remember, if you listen to stage um, 100 grand to 500 grand, I um, argued that you're now a marketing company. In this stage, 500 grand to a million, I'm arguing that you're becoming a recruitment company. Uh, The sixth thing will be your key result areas and making them way more strategic. Your seventh will be considering a second income stream now that you've got a good first income stream. Your eighth will be that you need actually to build a finance department. Um, You must have up-to-date management accounts. KPIs are vital. The ninth will be you're now focusing on values and culture and brand, and they actually have ROI. Whereas, of course, when you're 100 grand to 500 grand or even zero to 100 grand, brand doesn't really have ROI. You focus more on direct response marketing in those stages. Okay, 10 then is you need to form a board. You know, and that might just be you and maybe your MD or your business partner, uh, but you could get some non-execs or advisors. And then the 11th is that I believe you're now a media company, as well as a recruitment company, as well as a marketing company um, in this sort of modern age, if you like. So let's do a bit of detail in each one. Good. Just check. I had the recording on. That would have been annoying. All right. So one more leverage. So at stage 100 grand to 500 grand, I recommended that you leveraged a bit more. You got four staff or three or four staff and I I covered those but in this stage you need to leverage even more so you need more staff Um, you need to leverage systems 
You know, we use Infusionsoft, for example, a big beast. We have a full um, CRM and coder manager um, who gets a really good salary to do, do how all of our systems and processes talk to each other, constantly coding. Um, you want to leverage out the system, the sales now. So, you know, when you start your business, you're on the phones, you're selling one to one or even one to many doing public speaking. You are selling. Now you need to get out of sales and marketing and you need staff to do that because your strategy, your focus, your key result areas need to be much bigger picture, which I'll come to in a moment. So, you know, like a lot of the American influencers are like hustle, hustle, grind, 10x, you know, work. you've got to work 30 years, 15 hours a day. But, you know, if you want to become a, a big overnight success, if you like, they say it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Some people are saying they've been working 15 hours a day for 30 years. But the harder you work, the less your overall company can get done when you get to a certain size. Now, I'm not saying you can't keep growing your company, of course. But, you know, if you're in operational, tactical and administrative work, the harder you work, the more that slows the growth of your company because you can't do the bigger picture stuff. Now, I'm not saying you don't work hard, but you work hard on less hard things like hard on strategy, hard on vision, hard on ideas, hard on partnerships, which aren't hard, hard work. They're hard, smart work. Okay, second thing then is I believe it's absolutely vital to have a really good, you could call them a number two, an ops manager, an MD, someone who's like an office manager, someone who manages your enterprise, whether that's, you know, physically the office, because really you probably should have one by now. I mentioned that in the last uh, part of the series, I think actually getting an office. Um, but also the staff, the recruitment, um, the handing over of you, the strategy and them implementing the strategy. Uh, and I think that that's, Vital to have another layer of management so that you may have 8, 10, 12 staff. Now, it depends on, um, you know, how much you pay your staff and what, what level of staff you, you have. Um, but you may have quite a few staff and you may now have too many for you to manage personally. They say six is the ideal management number, eight max for a really good manager. Well, if you've got six, seven, eight staff, then really you need an ops manager or an MD between you and the staff. Uh, now, that does change the culture. Because now your office door isn't open, you've shut it, they can't come to you all the time, which liberates your time, but that does change the environment, which I'll come to. Okay, the third thing then is HR now becomes a function in your business. So when we were sort of zero to 100, 100 to 500, we hired a few people and they could kind of crack on and get on with it and, you know, like sort your issues out. And if they've got any major ones, come to us and we'll try and fix it. And we were just working things out as we go. But as you get more staff, they have grievances. And they need to be official. You're not just, you know, like a little organization hiring family now. Um, they, they, they want benefits. I remember when we had to build benefit packages for our staff. Obviously, salary reviews, career progression. Now, when you're 100 to 500 grand level, people kind of come in and work in the organization as is. But the upside of a, a corporate organization is there's three or four or five big career jumps. You know, you've got your um, promotions. Whereas when you're small, there's, not, there's nowhere to be promoted to. So you've got to build that when you, you know, become a bigger organization or at least sell them the dream of that or, or at least help them forge a new role. Like when we hired our ops manager, we didn't have an MD. It was an ops manager. And then we promoted her to MD and she became the first MD of our company. Um, and I, Tom moved into head of innovation from head of design. Now, that, that didn't exist. And so my job as the business founder, owner, visionary, if you like, um, is to help people see roles which don't exist yet. Um, by helping them go and forge the path of the career that the business needs and they want. Um, but of course, that's harder when you don't have 
proven career path. So this all becomes a function of HR, your um, job ads, your job descriptions, and your internal culture, which I'll get to those in a minute. Okay, number four then um, is selling one to many. Now, you know, the, the sort of getting in the car and driving around the country and doing one-to-one sales meetings or one-to-one selling on the phone, uh, it, it should be a thing of the past when you go beyond the 500 grand. Now, it might be at three or 400 grand, but it comes to a point where you have to leverage. So you might use webinars to sell um, globally, you know, or online. You might do, you might become a speaker and an ambassador in your industry and speak on, on the big stages. Um, you know, you might leverage online training or you might have four or five salespeople and they're selling one to one all day, but that makes a, a one to many for you. You could leverage a big podcast, a big YouTube channel, but you cannot grow always doing one to ones. Um, now, of course, if you're a company that sells million pound products, then you can probably get to 10 or 50 million on one to one. So, so it does. There is a certain amount of dependency on what your business model is as to how these are, are, are relevant to you. But most companies, you need to go from one to one to one to many to get uh, to the million and beyond level. OK, um, number five, then, is I believe you're now a recruitment company. Now, I never really perceived myself as a recruitment company. Now, I don't mean recruiting for others. I mean recruiting for you. But I believe that people, you know, your staff, your culture are probably the most important element in your business. Uh, and, you know, there comes a point where they need looking after, they need guidance, they need vision, uh, and you need to attract and hire the right people. And you'll know how that feels when you've had people come and go and come and go and you've, you've hired the wrong people or people were, were right, but then you didn't give them enough support and, you know, they left and became uh, disengaged and demotivated. Um, so attracting the best talent is, is vital. So that means things like um, good training, good onboarding, uh, you know, running a, a really good job ad and having connections with good recruitment consultants and agencies in your city and writing really good job descriptions and, you know, giving them progression in their career and creating their the staff handbook, um, you know, and a good uh, employment contract and all these things. And then dealing with internal issues and grievances and, um, you know, one to one performance reviews for your staff, etc., uh, now, we hired our, our head of HR. We had an internal HR department when we got to 35 staff. Um, and most companies do it nearer 50. And I'm really glad we did it earlier. But um, before that, when we had maybe eight or 10 staff, we had an outsourced recruitment consultant. We just used to phone him up all the time when we needed advice. And he was really good. Um, but then we outgrew that and we needed to bring it in-house. Now, of course, it depends how people-centric your business is um, as to how early you do it. If it's a very people-centric business, you might do it earlier. If it's a very automated business, you might do it a lot later. Okay, then, uh, number six is your key result areas will definitely change, and they should become much more top-line and strategic when you're at the half a million to a million level. So you should be doing things like training your staff, training your trainers, vision, strategy, leadership, collaborations, partnerships, etc. And anything tactical you're doing is only going to slow the growth of your company down. So all operational, tactical and administrative should be to your team. You create the vision, the strategy, and then you pass that down to your MD or your ops manager. Your MD and ops manager then um, starts the execution process, which is implemented by the rest of your team. Uh, and sometimes as business owners, we can get into this really, we can habitually work hard, 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 hard and get really busy and only feel at the end of the day like we've achieved something if we've got really, really, really busy. But um, business leaders at a bigger level need to understand that um, you need to take time to think. You need to research your competition. 
You know, you need to create different versions of a plan. You need to, um, you just need to be more considered. You need to collate ideas from different people and try and figure them out and patch them together to create something unique. Steve Jobs was very famous for going on long walks and having deep discussions with people he was maybe looking at ventures or partnerships or new strategies. And, you know, he's not, not rushing that process. Sometimes when you're busy, you're just like that, you know, that, that little um, Westie, you know, the little dog humping the tree. Hump, 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 hump. You're just humping hard. Hump, 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 hump. But you're humping a tree. You're not going to make any puppies humping a tree. And I know for many years that was kind of how I did business. And all right, you're, you're persistent and you're relentless and you get stuff done. But there comes a point when you get the wrong stuff done. And doing the wrong stuff well is obviously not good. So and it's a change of mindset. Slow down. Think more. Leverage more. You know, get ideas from your, your competitors, your collaborators, your partners, your, um, did I say staff, your communities. I had a few people drop off the live when I did that um, Westy Hump analogy. Maybe I'll have to figure another one out for next time. All right, then. So number seven, then, is you could consider a second income stream. Now, I believe in multiple streams of income, but I believe you've got to get good at one before you can do many. Uh, and um, we started buying property. The recession happened and we figured we need another income stream. Um, buy to let was changing. So then we started packaging and selling deals for other people. And that worked for us well. We started to scale that and that got harder to scale. Um, and there was somewhat of a small conflict between buying ourselves and, and for others. So then we built the training business. We did that for two or three years. And then when we had enough properties, I think it was a few hundred, we um, set up our own letting agency. And then when we'd done enough property training, we um, bought a personal development training company and we've grown and added income streams over the years. Now, you don't want to do that too quick and start them all at once. But, you know, at the 500 to a million plus level, you probably are going to be able to leverage what you do to create a second income stream. You know, I now have a podcast agency, a social media agency, which are all just spin-offs of the business models we've built. So that's something to, to consider. Um, you'll know the right time. And the right time is probably when you're making a good solid income stream. You've got a bit of time because you've leveraged, you've systemized it well. You know that it's um, sort of a bit sustainable um, or you're worried about it getting disrupted. Recession could hurt it really badly. Or, um, you know, you feel a bit exposed just on that one income stream or that one supplier or that one client. And then it's time to think about a second one. Um, but you've got to build the first one well first. OK, then number eight is you probably now need some kind of finance department, not just a part time bookkeeper taking your receipts and putting them on a spreadsheet. So we have a full finance department. We have 15 people in our finance department. Our, our business is quite finance heavy. Um, so you need management accounts, ideally 10 days after month end. Otherwise, you can't make proper decisions on the growth of your business. You need KPIs for the finance side, the marketing side, the sales side, the staffing side. Um, and, you know, you're no, you're no longer just like this sort of part time operation where, you know, you're just collating um, numbers that go to your accountant at the end of the year. You may have a um, head of finance. You might end up having a finance director. You may have a head of finance and one or two uh, admin uh, finance. You might uh, bring a bookkeeper in house and the bookkeeper can do all of the bookkeeping and the receipts and the tracking of the spend, but they can also do the KPIs and track the, the metrics. And this is really important. Um, you cannot master what you do not measure. And I know a lot of companies are at the two, three, four hundred grand level. They have no idea. In fact, probably some at the million level. They don't get um, management accounts for months on end. They have no idea. I know one person who does a good few million, probably four or five. It went nine months without management accounts. You could be doing five million in turnover and you could have six million in costs. You have no idea if you don't have management accounts. 
Management accounts aren't accounts that you submit for HMRC. They're pre that. Um, so they're not finalized. So they might be 80, 90% accurate or they might need to be, um, you know, collated and updated at the end of the year. But they're for you to track, um, your progress of your business, the gross profit, the net profit, the retained earnings, where you're spending, the cost of sales, all these vital elements of management accounts. If you don't know how to do them or where they are, you can get a management account templates off the internet or get them off an accountant. Okay, number nine then is values, culture and brand now have return on investment. So for years when Mark and I were building our businesses and they were smaller, for us, we weren't you know, going to spend loads of money on brand advertising, just you know, sp- doing spending ads on just showing our logo or something mysterious um, because you don't get, um, you can't track that. Uh, and so we were into direct response marketing, which is you only spend on advertising and marketing if you can uh, track and clearly get a return on investment. But things like the values of your company now have tangible value because people will come and work you for the values and the work for you for the values and the culture. Um, and your brand has some equity now because you're known, um, you know, progressive as a brand is, is, is quite well known in our well, It's very well known in our space. Um, so these have equity and value now. And so a little bit of investment in developing and building your brand and creating the culture uh, becomes more and more important and can have a return on investment in this level and beyond. Um, by the way, when you get to a million, five, five million, ten, it's even more so. So you want to de- define what your uh, values are. You want to define in a, in a statement what the, the feel of the culture of your business. Um, and you want to develop your brand, your tagline, um, your mission, your message, your vision. Now, hopefully you've created those before, but you want to develop those and really um, keep sharing those with the company. And each time the company goes through a little bit of disruption or a few people leave or there's a bit of an internal conflict, you keep restating the, the, the vision and the values and, and bring everyone together and get them connected and committed. OK, number 10 then is you probably have a board now. And if you don't, you want one uh, now. If you don't have a business, I have a business partner. So we've always had himself and myself on our board. And then our MD joined our board and then we're going to have a couple of other people joining our board. And we've had some non-execs join our board. Um, you want to have a board meeting every month. It's really important to work on your business, not in it, because most people are working in it. That Westie humping the tree again in the wrong place. Uh, so if you and your MD or your ops manager, um, maybe if you've got a higher level manager like a finance director, they could uh, sit on the board. And then if you could get an advisor or a non-exec or two, then that's going to be really vital for you to be able to work on your business, look at the strategy, the vision, work on the key areas that you know need developing. Um, you want to make sure you've got a really good peer group and you're in masterminds and you've got like a, a network of successful business owners. If you're going from 500 grand to a million, you want advisors who are 5 million, 10 million, 20 million. They've been there and they can drag you up the quickest. Okay, and then the 11th and final point, and then I'll do a summary for all of you who have joined live but didn't uh, join at the start. You are now a media company. Um, so, you know, social media is vital. Podcasting and having a, a YouTube channel is vital. Leveraging LinkedIn, which has changed in the last couple of years, you know, for a, um, for a very, I think, in a very positive manner. Um, you want to generate multiple streams of leads, uh, you want, which will lead the result in multiple streams of income. You want to become a spokesperson for your industry. You want to be able to go global the quickest. And all of these are helped by media. And media has been decentralized. It's been broken up. Uh, and now anyone can have a podcast channel. Anyone can have a YouTube channel. Anyone can be an influencer on LinkedIn or Instagram. And the world has changed and it's very positive. And non-celebs can become celebs. And, you know, you can really generate vast amounts of income being a media company. And 
We've just set up progressive media in the last sort of 18 months. We have progressive publishing. Um, so we publish a lot of books and audio books. And we have nearly 100 people who we publish and edit and manage their podcasts for them. Uh, and this is a, a business model we weren't into or three years ago. It was just something that we were doing to grow our business. And of course, that's become a, a spin-off, which I think could become a huge business. It could even overtake progressive property, the training business in the future. Uh, and I think at this level, you, you really need to embrace that. Okay, great. So let me summarize the 11 points. Um, for some of you who are watching or even listening, and you've mentioned that um, this isn't the stage that you're in in business, that's cool because I've done three previous parts of this series. So this is a money series going through the different stages hosted on my money podcast. Stage one, zero, uh, at, get in debt, whatever you're in debt to zero, get out of debt the quickest. Stage two, zero to 100K. Stage three, 100K to 500K. And this stage four is um, 500K to a million. Stage five will be, or series five, part five, <laughs> will be um, one to two million. Then it'll be two to five, five to 10 and 10 to 20. I'm roughly at the 20 million turnover uh, level where if you include um, payment plan and promised revenue. Um, so I can't go beyond that yet. When I've made 50 million, I'll be doing the 20 to 50 million level. There might be a little bit of a wait in that part of the series. Um, like you have to wait for Game of Thrones. Um, so that's on the money podcast if you feel that you're not at this stage yet. And if, you feel, if you're at a further stage, then that's coming soon. So let me summarize then the 11 important elements, I believe. From my own experience of doing this, this is me having done it, not theory or Google. Um, so one is you need to leverage even more. Zero, uh, 100 to 500 grand you leverage, but now you need to leverage more staff, systems, have a good MD, get out of sales and marketing and have other people doing those functions. Stage two is you need an MD or an operations manager, someone really solid to be able to run the office, the enterprise, add in a layer of management probably, and remove yourself from an open door policy so that you can grow your business and work on strategy and vision. Number three, HR becomes an important function now. Benefits, salaries, career progressions, grievances, uh, etc., are all um, elements of business you didn't have to deal with probably before. Number four is you want to start selling and reaching one-to-many, going global through the internet, uh, not selling one-to-one, -one, doing speaking engagements, webinars, podcasts, YouTube, social media, etc. Number five, you're now a recruitment company because if you don't get good quality staff, you are not going to be able to grow. So understanding you are a recruitment business, having good relationships with good recruitment consultants, rewarding your staff for um, referring people, using social media to and, and, you know, and job sites to uh, run good job ads, uh, good training, good onboarding, uh, good job descriptions, um, good career progression, um, etc. By the way, I have a podcast coming out on my Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast in um, a week or two. And if you're listening to this beyond that time, it's on there. Um, the five stages of effective um, recruitment. Uh, so I went into quite a deep dive about that. I think it's about 30 minutes. Uh, all right. Number six, your key result areas change and they become more strategic, more uh, about vision and growth and strategy and not operations and tactics. So you need to tweak and change those. It might be training your staff, training trainers. It might be collaborations and partnerships. Um, it's probably not direct revenue generating, but will generate a lot more cascading revenue for your team. Number seven, you can start to consider a second income stream. Now that you've built a first one, maybe you fear disruption or risk regulation, or maybe you just um, now are at the time because you've well systemized and you've liberated a bit of your time that you want to build a second income stream. Um, number eight is you need probably a finance department or at least more than just a bookkeeper and an FD and proper management accounts and tracking of all the financial KPIs so that you um, can properly make good decisions on your business and improve your net profit margin and not just push a turnover up. 
number nine is values, culture and brand now have return on investment, whereas they didn't in the early days. And you can work more on those. Number 10, you need a board. Uh, it might just be you and your MD. Or it might be you, your MD and a couple of non-execs who've got experience beyond you uh, working on your business, not in your business. And then number 11, you are now a media company. Uh, and today's modern age, you need multiple streams of leads. You need to access uh, the global network of leads and community members and leveraging all of these online groups like Facebook and LinkedIn and becoming a spokesperson for your industry and getting good um, media opportunities. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you found that useful. Um, I don't know if you're a supporter yet, but Facebook have just launched a brand new supporter program. They're beta testing a few influencers around the world. I'm very privileged to have been selected. Uh, and in my supporter program, which is just the long, thin blue button uh, on my Facebook page, um, you get Ask Me Anythings once a week. Uh, we're doing uh, random meetups. I'm meeting up with some supporters for dinner tonight. I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, in three weeks, we've got a big supporter dinner. There's about uh, 50 of us. Um, you can ask me what content you want me to create, and I'll do a video or a podcast on it. There's a WhatsApp group. I'm doing one-to-one -one calls with the first 100 supporters twice a year for uh, around 10 minutes. Um, there's other stuff. I'm doing a supporter-only personal development event. Uh, first one we've done in eight years. I've been wanting to do that for many years. And all that for just £3.49 a month. You just press the, the narrow blue button, become a supporter. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just want, I want to make my supporter program the best in the world. And um, I've not found one that's got more value yet. If you can find one, sh show it to me and I would endeavour to improve mine. Um, I think that the world is really changing with content and I think premium content and more connected um, and interactive with the people you want to follow is the future. And I think that there's sort of the, a lot of the free content is just a little bit, it's just too much noise. And a lot of people haven't really got the experience giving free advice and so much advertising. And that all goes with premium. But £3.49 a month, I mean, they're surely going to put that up a lot um, if it takes off. So um, yeah, go and um, jump on that. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, and remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.